0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder and host of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you haven't tried out Built for the Stage yet, go to builtforthestage.com and we'll be on our way to a seven-day free trial where we will be chatting on an interactive fitness app, chatting all things goals in relation to you marrying a pursuit in theater to a pursuit of a journey in fitness. been doing this a long time as a former athlete, trainer, and actor. I pride myself in knowing the difference on how actors should be training as opposed to the general population. So if you're just out there doing group classes or pedaling away on a spin bike, hit me up. Got some information for you. All right, enough of that. Let's go on to our guest. Special guest. Just saw uh, our guest in Get Up, Stand Up, the Bob Marley musical, about three, four weeks ago. Um, loved the show and got connected with some of the cast. And luckily, one of the cast members is this special guest today. Um, yeah. He's also t- toured in Dirty Dancing. I'm really interested in this. I want to hear more about it. But please <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Tom Bowen. Hey, Tom. Hey guys, how's it going? Good, good, good to have you on. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, where are you calling in from? So I'm calling
1: in from my home in Essex. Uh, it's just outside London. Um, so yeah, this is where I'm based. I'm based in Essex. And, uh, cool. Yeah. And, and commute time, car, tube, how do you get over there? So I, I walk to the station and then it's, it's 25 minutes to the center of London and then I get like a little tube for about five, 10 minutes. So door to door, it's about an hour in total from like walking to the station and walking into my dressing room. So pretty lucky. <laughs>
0: perfect, perfect. Perfect. And before we hit record, you said you won the day already. You started off and you won the day. What, what, did, oh. you, what did you mean by that?
1: So um, <laughs> I, I heard a phrase once. And it's like, if you win the morning, you win the day. So I always try to win the morning with uh, a workout. That's when I train. And it, it depends on, obviously, how people are with their day. But, you know, if you win the morning positively, I think mean, that's the general uh, overarching sentiment of the of the statement is if you win the morning, you win the day. Yeah. Whether that be, I don't know, getting some work done, um, running lines, um, you know, having a, having a good coffee, um, having a good workout, uh, going for a run, walking the dog, um, something positive that sets you up, in a way that means that you can move forward in the day in a positive step. Yeah.
0: Win the day. Love it. Um, When you started training, what came first? Was it your acting that led to you wanting to get into fitness training or was it vice versa? How did that happen? No, definitely was acting first, acting, acting
1: came first. I wanted to be an actor when I was about six. So, um, it's hard to get a gym membership when you're six. <laughs> <laughs> no, um,
0: no, I was, I was at
1: drum school. I was I was at drum school, and um, I I would get to the gym early. Um, there was a gym about thirty second walk from the front door of our, of our, of our college. So I would I, I'd go there first thing in the morning, and anyway, I'd often beat the person who had owned the gym. And he was this big bodybuilder guy and he was massive and, you know, proper, proper geezer like. And he, um, he went, look, Tom, if I cut you a key, you open up, sign yourself in. I'll pay you from 6 a.m. till 8 when I went and started college. And he goes, that means I get an extra hour in bed. And he's like, you know, you're so consistent. You're so, you know, you're so here all the time. And then you know that was about that was about six months into my my drama school uh first year. So then I did that all the way through my my um my three years at drama school. And so yeah, like it was kind of serendipitous that I went yeah. to drama school and then found the physical side of it as well. And then, you know, there are a lot a lot of our drama teachers and stuff like that who were very much like, you know, because it was quite dance-based where I went often the lads always lifting the girls and stuff like that so having the knowledge of how to how to brace yourself properly and and, and you know using your upper body strength in, in a way that you know benefits that um benefits the entire piece yeah so that helped massively so yeah and then I found myself because I was in the gym and I found myself working that hard and stuff like that I and I, I was more capable of that I ended up getting ahead of people who would Cause I I never danced like up until I was 19 and that's when I went to drama school and I'd never danced a day in my life. I was useless day one. I was laughed at so much. It was hilarious. I wish there were videos of it because it was quite embarrassing. However, I think where I was physical and I wanted the physical challenge, I stepped up a lot more rapidly than a lot of the other people because they probably rested on their laurels. They've been dancing since they were like, you know, three four you know ballet classes and stuff like that whereas i just was like straight in attack it and then just try and get as much out of each session as possible like yeah. you do in the gym you know every time you go to the gym try and eke out as much as possible
0: yeah. where where do you think you, you got that from as far as like having a challenge and then accepting the challenge and putting the work in necessary to you know get the result you're looking for
1: uh that definitely comes from my dad that's definitely um a Boeing trait that, that runs throughout all, all of us um just something that my, my dad was very all he ever wanted to do in his entire life was be a bricklayer and he, he was like he always oh, and i say so, he said to me and i remember it so clearly he's like look tom i don't want to make houses i want to make homes so every brick i lay it's got to be perfect. Every set, every course, every one of you guys has got to be perfect. 100% standard, 100% of the time. There's a lot of pressure, obviously. And, you know, I think that was where the kind of, you know, he put a challenge in. It was always go full, go into it, go 100%. Like, and even rugby at school and stuff like that, like, it was always 100% in, you know, if you're not, if you're not, as soon as that whistle blows in the first, Uh, the first you know kick out if if you don't go in a hundred percent you're instantly on the back foot and if you're on the back foot god you've got to drag it up so if you attack straight away hundred percent and eke out every little bit of it perfection um and when it's like perfection it doesn't have to be this kind of everything has to be good it's just it's just a brick you know it, it can be really baby it can be really minute you know, so whatever you're focusing on, straight in front of you, that's
0: got to be perfect. So I think that's yeah. probably where it came from. Definitely, definitely, my dad. Did you grow up with your dad saying constantly, "Tom, brick by brick"?
1: <laughs> I wish he did. No, to be fair, like he was, he he was quite, um, he was quite a stoic. Geezer, really, my dad. So he would get in. So his his day started at four, um, mm. pretty much every day. Well, and I say like him him and my mum would start. My, you know, my dad was very much that generation where my mum prepared the breakfast and, um, you know, so my mum was up as much as he was as well. And by the time he got home, because he was, you know, he'd, he'd drive into London, he'd be laying marble, he'd be doing, all, you know, a lot of York stone, a lot of brick and stuff, you know, a lot of heavy materials. Yeah. He would often just kind of get home, collapse. Just, mm. you know, or if he did have a bit of time, he'd go down the pub. So... Yeah every, you know, he always get, gave himself time to kind of decompress from the day as well as spending time with us as kids and stuff like that. So yeah, oh, yeah. I, I wish, like, right. yeah, it'd be quite cool if he did something, you know, brick by brick, but yeah, you know, he doesn't, he was very much just like, <laughs> you make sure you get, and again, even he was like, you know, he'd always ask me and my brother, have you asked the teacher enough questions, you know, at school? So that would be one of the always things he'd always kind of tell us and stuff, you know, you know are you asking enough questions? Are you asking enough, are you getting enough out of the teacher? Is the teacher getting enough out of you? You know, are you are you contributing to the class and stuff like that? Like, you know, that's kind of what he cared of.
0: You know, I I think that's great advice. My my dad, at, growing up as well, always was saying, "Never be afraid to ask." And so much of my success in life has been just not having that fear of, "Oh, are they going to say no? Or are they going to judge me? Or whatever?" Yeah, you know? totally. Totally.
1: Yeah. I there are there, are, there are silly questions, but there are no dumb questions. Sure. You know, there's always you know I think the only dumb question is the question you have to repeat.
0: Mm.
1: You know, that if some if you've got to keep repeating the same questions, stuff like that, you're not think you're not listening. Mm. And that's another thing I Alan Rickman oh, legend. He said the the quality of an actor is in the intensity of their listening that hit me as well. Because as my dad always said, he's like, listen. If you're asking a question, listen. Mm. And it's the same with acting as well. Like, you've got to be focused and listen. So,
0: yeah, that, that's totally good. I good. love that. I love that. So let's rewind to you being six years old and wanting, knowing that you want to be an actor. How did you, how did you know at six years old? Like, uh, tell us that, that
1: moment. Yeah, that was, that was funny. Um, so my, I wasn't good at school. My brother was. I wasn't. I I I didn't really like going to school. I didn't. I didn't like sitting behind a desk. I like. I loved PE. I loved all the physical stuff. I loved all the drama and stuff. and any kind of thing, any kind of field. History as well, because we'd often our teachers were quite good at history and stuff. We'd always be up and see and stuff. But as soon as I sat behind a desk, I switched off. Um, and so I would often. Pull a sickie or bunk school and stuff like that. So I'd always be like, "Oh, mama, ill. <coughs> oh God, yeah. It was, you know, she was very reluctant, and you know, um. And then one day, I, I think I was pulling a sickie. It must, been, you know, early on in the year. And this old nineteen, it's got to be 1950s, nineteen fifties, nineteen, maybe even that. Maybe a nineteen forties film. It was a Norman Wisdom film called A Stitch in Time, and. It was a post, it's post-war kind of time. And um, it was the first film that within the space of about five minutes, I laughed, like barely on the floor laughing. Obviously I'm trying to be sick here. Um, And then I was, you know, really emotive, really crying uh, from the amount of emotion this guy was pouring out. And this is a black and white film in the fifties and stuff. And he was, uh, or maybe even the forties and and my mum was just like, I, I thought you were meant to be sick. And I was like, Oh yeah. Oh god, yeah, I, I'm sick, I'm really sick, I can't go to school. And she went, Jesus Christ, you should be an actor. And um, I was like, What's you know, you're an idiot at that time, you know, is that what he's doing on there? And, and my mum was like, Yeah, that's what actors do, is they do these films and stuff like that in the Palmer's years. And I was like, Okay, that's what I want to dedicate my life to. If I'm gonna spend 60, 70, 80, hopefully, like, you know, years working, that's what I want to be doing. Yeah. You know, that was kind of, you know, that was it. That was the light bulb moment for me.
0: Wow. All right. So, how long did you sit on that? Like, uh, did she put you into acting classes, or how long was it until you started enrolling into some type of training?
1: Yeah, not, I don't think it was that long. I think it must have been a couple of years. I think they wanted me to get, you know, to finish, to get into secondary school. I believe it was, yeah, I must have been in secondary school, um, which I suppose is high school for, for oh. over in the States. Um, I think it must have been about then, you know, my, my parents were very, they're bricklayers, they're working class. And, and you know, my mum and dad were very much like, we have got no idea. However, they did say, there's the library, find stuff out yourself. The internet was very young at that point. Uh, still dial up um and but yeah somehow my mum found like reading the local uh paper uh, the local um the local kind of you know town magazine she found little advertisement about this kind of um, stage school and so she went over there like in a lot of time and, and talked to the teacher and stuff and, and then a couple of weeks later i went over there with her and stuff and um and that guy kind of took me under his wing, taught me, you know, little acting classes and stuff. And I was really shy as a kid. Like I was, um, you know, I was scrawny. I was bullied and stuff like that. So I, I didn't have much confidence. And then I found this place where people were very similar to me. And also I found this love of creating and creativity. And there was this group of people who were just a bit out there and, you know, improvisation was like a daily thing with us. And all of a sudden I found this group of friends, uh, that I just clicked with, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this is cool. Yeah, let's do this." You know, once, twice a week, and that was my yeah. that thing. And then, still, like at school, like I think because I was very good at, I was very, I was very good at getting up and doing stuff like that. The sports and the the kind of teachers as well kind of clicked with me as well. So that was, it was like the love of sport and, uh, and performance was was was, was quite good and stuff like that. And again, yeah. was was hugely hugely influential when it comes to physical activity he, that's just who he was and so like I, I had to follow in his footsteps as well because he kind of set this reputation as oh you're a, oh are you James Bowen's little brother and I was like yeah and they're like oh I expect good things from you and I was like oh, crap
0: challenge accepted
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah 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 how how did you balance the two uh growing up I also was involved with sports and theater uh yeah how did you balance it and were the people around you uh supportive of that balance because i know looking back on it for me i was lucky to have directors or or coaches that were like oh you got to go to rehearsal okay that's okay you got to go to practice okay that's okay like yeah how did you uh yeah it, it.
1: it balanced itself out very naturally very lucky okay. actually um those uh, quite a lot of the kind of rehearsals or practice and stuff like that for the the acting was on a Saturday or Sunday uh the class was on It must have been like a Tuesday evening so it was after school so when I was in school all the kind of practice was just 100% on on the physical side and and um you know wasn't always that great because I was such a scrawny little you know weedy kid but I gave it everything I could Um,
0: so yeah that was yeah that was interesting and then we'll see, okay, so you brought up a few times that you grew up pretty skinny or lean when when did you start to transform your aesthetic in
1: college? yeah, definitely, it must yeah, it would have been college, it would have been um drama school, so when I was nineteen how did um, how did you learn to train, who taught you how to train um it was. it must be this generation of, I must be one of the last generations and probably you're probably the same yourself. Um, The last generation of reading books and reading magazines and whatever internet I did have on my phone at the time, I think I had like one gig, which says everything about like the way we've advanced now. Like I've got an unlimited data plan now. And like I had probably the time I needed it the most, I had one gig. Yeah. Um, unless I was connected to the to wifi or internet and stuff like that. So, um, I remember there was, oh God, what's his name? Scott Herman? Scott Herman, a the, the bodybuilder. He had like YouTube channels and he had like fitness. He was like, oh, this is the chest routine. And then he had like a chest and chest and tricep routine and the back and, you know, and I'd always kind of write them down on a little uh, piece of paper, fold that of paper in the back pocket and get to the gym. and okay yeah five sets of this or you know whatever yeah um and because i was at college i kind of i did all the mistakes at the beginning of my lifting career like my lifting time and now i think now i'm much better and i'm much more clued up now like look back like i wasted probably like three years just not eating right you know i was low carbohydrate i was almost keto for, a, for for about three years i was keto and definitely not eating enough I mean, definitely not eating enough fats like it was just like protein 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 the protein shake and then whatever kind of um porridge in the morning so yeah definitely not getting enough carbohydrates in and so literally all the mistakes and i think when i came out of college and then i you know, discovered, you know, more advanced people and more advice about nutrition and how important carbohydrates were to, to an overall physique. I then went back to college to teach about seven months later. What's the And then one of the teachers was like, jeez you you're massive. And I was like, yeah, I discovered eating. <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, that I learned by all, all the stupid mistakes and you know, lifting too heavy too quickly. Um Luckily, I never got injured um, somehow. Um, so Yeah, like, you know, do all the mistakes first. And yeah, mistakes are your best teacher. You know,
0: I yeah, see awesome. people down
1: the gym now and they're, they're like, I saw one guy today. And he was, he must have been about 18, 19, how old it was. And he probably was on, um, so like, you know, just curls. He was just curling for about 40 minutes and i got my full like chest and shoulder workout in and like my entire like i'd probably say like 80 percent of my push workout i probably got that in while he was still curling yeah and he was curling like 24 kilos a side really bad rep range just grunting them out and i was like ah, you know what this is actually probably quite good for you because you're going to learn that eventually that's not going to be the most conducive way of making great arms and stuff like that and yeah, it, it had great biceps.
0: You know, but the rest of his physique was 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 pretty rubbish. <laughs> right. Yeah, I wanted to ask because I saw on your Instagram like your uh you have a story highlight of some of your training and the way you squat and set your back and yeah, it's it looks really good. So I just wanted to shout you out there. And thank you for saying that. You need to eat.
1: <laughs> so yeah. many,
0: so many of my clients uh, are that kid at the mirror doing forty minutes of curls, trying to change their physique, yeah. and then going home and not eating even close to what, what and how they should be. Totally, it's yeah. as, as Arnold
1: said. It's a hundred percent diet. It's a hundred percent exercise. <laughs> it's
0: it's that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I actually haven't heard of that one. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. hundred percent diet, hundred percent exercise.
1: Yeah, man. hundred percent. Like just
0: if you're,
1: like, even, and, but then there's also the argument that you can say that, you know, it, when it's hundred percent diet and it's like cheap meals, have a place, you know, if you're, if you're quite rigorous and you're quite clean and stuff like that, having those high sodium meals, uh, are fantastic. And they yeah. go for your mental health, you know, just to kind of be like, I can let it go. um who is it? There was there's a guy called Magnus who is a big uh, celebrity personal trainer. He uh, does Alexander Skarsgard a lot of the time, and he he was saying like if he's got if he plans twenty meals of the week, three of them he'll allow to be a bit off. But he's like if I've if I've disciplined twenty meals out of you know twenty four out of twenty five and stuff like that, like you know, five,
0: four, whatever it is, can be a bit dirty. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Uh, let's transition into when uh, like, some of your TV film come at the same time as stage acting or was one before the other. I uh, see that you've done a fair amount of uh, TV as well.
1: Yeah, but I've been very, very lucky to have done some, some TV and film as well as uh, a stage career. Definitely, the stage came first. The stage was the stage was there the whole time. Um, and then as I, I think because of, you know, the, the nature of who I am, stuff like that, I get quite bored quite easily. Um, and so therefore, I always look for the next challenge. I always look for the next kind of thing. Not that I'm ever unpresent from the present i'm always thinking about the future as well you know don't think too much in the future be be in reality right now and focus on that however um i've always been accepting the fact that this is like this is such a weird weird time to be a performer and it's always it's it's a bit performing is weird so embrace that weirdness by trying to find as many facets of the art form as possible whether that be the way that you interact with a dop on on set, um, you might even be how how to interact with the first ad uh, or the first assistant director. You know how 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 do you then react with a resident director in a in a in a musical? You know, you're going to learn something from everyone, and yeah. that always excited me, and that got me um, that got me into kind of the difference. I had this one experience with um we were doing a night shoot on a on a pilot for something, and we're trying to get this shot, and I, my, the character gets my character gets punched down onto the like cold concrete, um, and we we prepped this film, we prepped this uh, this this pilot in summer, and they're like, we want you in a, a t-shirt, and a tie, you know, you look beefy, but you do get my my character gets beaten basically, and then he gets the upper hand later in the fight and stuff. So it was always kind of like you know underdog story. Um, And then we shot it in mid-November. So it was freezing. (laughs) Uh, So there I am in this T-shirt on this cold concrete floor trying to get the shot. And the shot was, well, the direct came over and the shot was, he's like, okay, so you've just been punched in the floor and, you know, I need you to look look over to see him kind of going towards your brother and he's going to, He's gonna shoot him in the back of the head and rah-da-da-da. And you know, he's trying to give me this horse. He's like, you know, you you know, your your side of, you know your mouth is spilling with blood, and it's like, you know, you're you're a bit out, but you're still in the fight. And you know, I need to see that. And we we're going, we we're going, we we're going. I'm trying to walk through all these steps and stuff like that, and all the direction. Then the the director of photography, he went, he went, look to the bottom left corner of the lens, then look through it to the other side, count to three, give a huff, and then push off. Did that, got the take. Oh. It, was, it was that, literally, it was like, instead of, instead of thinking so much about what the character is, just think about what the shot requires, and then give that to the DOP. And the director was like, oh my God, it was so it was full of amazing acting. And me and the director of photography were just like, let <laughs> keep it simple. It was yeah. like we were overcomplicating it, and then the director of photography just went. He just simplified it in in like three beats. Yeah, and then we got it. And um, yeah, so that that's always been that's always been a part of, of, of being an actor. And, and that you don't you don't always get that with um you don't always get that with stage work. You, you know, because right. the, the, the 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 medium the visual is so big. Because um, it's got to fill a nine hundred seat, a thousand seat theater, and a thousand people need to see it. It's got to be a lot bigger. Whereas a camera, a camera that's six inches from your face doesn't need the hugest of performances. So, and I think the the difference between reeling it in and letting it go, that's
0: always been really in, uh, interesting for me as a mm. Yeah. And the the horseback riding yeah. and the Swashbuckling. This came on your own or came through some projects.
1: So that that was really weird. So I. <laughs> <laughs> so again, it's always the thing of how can I make my CV look as trustworthy as possible, so that so a director will go, you know what, I've got no reason not to hire this guy. You know, let's give him a chance. Um, lockdown just happened, so. All performances, everything's shut. Everyone's losing money. You know, just survive the time. And um, I, I sit there and thought, how can I? How can I make myself as as, as good as, as an actor as possible in this spare time while I've got the downtime? So you know, I'm doing my running. I'm doing uh, all you know body weight stuff and uh, any kind of physical activities possible. And then I thought to myself, right, we're watching all these. TV series, all these Netflix series and, and uh, there's always this, you know, they're repeating, repeating, repeating all of these old, old stuff. And, you know, I'm talking to my agent, you know, what's happening in the industry, what's going on. And he was like, you know, what can you do to bolster your CV whilst no one's working? And we are watching TV once and then we watched this new series. Well, we, we, we binged watched The Last Kingdom. Uh, which is that Viking series um, uh, written by Bernard Cornwall yeah. and we we we, we pinched to watch that, and every single one of the actors horse riding, every actor you know. And then we and we watched uh, the Outlaw King uh, with Chris Pine. Again, they're all horseback riding. They're all, all horse riding, and I thought, wow, oh, God, you know what? I've never been, I I've been on a horse, donkeys years ago. And I was like, Do you know what? That'd be great to get some quali- qualifications in horse riding, mm-hmm. so that when uh, you know these, you know I'm I've got quite a Viking, like, I've got quite Scandinavian, I'm blonde and blue eyes. Um, it's quite a Scandinavian look. I'm confident with stage combat and sword fighting. I was like, you know what? it Would be great if I just bolted that with a bit of horse riding and get those qualifications somehow. So I go on Spotlight and I just search through all the accredited anything that Spotlight would recommend or would recognize as, as, a, as, a, as a, something to have on the CV. And uh, I find this one that just says swashbuckling. So I just just called the guy and just said, hey man, how, how did you get your horse riding qualification?" And he was like, oh, that's with this, this lady in Cornwall. And I was like, oh, okay, Cornwall. How's that been hit with COVID? Well, it's not really down here and stuff like that. It's quite sparsely populated. Um, and obviously this is still the time you can't really travel. And I was like, well, I'm in Essex, so whenever there's a restriction lift, I want to come down and, and just spend some time. So I called this lady, and uh and again it was it was very similar. So it was like, what, what kind of accommodation do you have? And she was like, Don't worry, we're fully accommodated. So you can stay in like this shepherd's hut. Uh, there's a log burner there that you can, you know, cook off of and, and make a cup of tea in the morning. Really, really old school. Um, and she was like, You can stay here as long as you like. And I said, Okay, how how long and how much would it be for me to get my level one and my level two horse riding qualification with you? I think that's pretty doable to get, you know, from a, I don't want to just come down there and get one qualification. If I'm going to come all that way, I want to get at least two. And she went, right, you're going to need at least four days. So she says plus the accommodation, plus the horse riding, plus the accreditation, plus everything else and the and the, the exams. I think she said like 500, 500 quid. And I went, deal (laughs) yeah just just do it it was yeah especially when i wasn't earning that was huge for me and i was like god that's a bit of risk however talking to my girlfriend about it my family and i just they were like just do it just go and just go and just get something on your cv that's that's that based and um and and get training and get you know be as be as useful as a performer as you could be so i go down there and i get my british horse society level one level two riding qualifications Uh, in four days and prior to that you know she was like you've never ridden a horse have you and I was like "Well, as as a kid I'd you know been on the back of a horse but she was like no no you've never ridden a horse she was very blunt but she opened my eyes to everything else that comes with having those qualifications it's not just about being a a viking on a a horse or a knight in shining armour in game of thrones she was like what if you're the vet who goes in and has to do an examination on a, so there might be something, I don't know, the vet programs and stuff like that and uh, they, we've got a TV series down here called Emmerdale which is set on a the farm. Yeah. There was, it's farm-based animals and stuff like that and it's like, you know, there's always horses and stuff and so, um, you never know, you might be playing a vet or you might be playing a squire or, yeah. you know, they kind of, uh, or just generally just hold, how to hold a horse and how to interact with a horse on set because um, horses, are scared of everything. Period. Like there is just no there, there is no calm horse on a set because there's just people are dropping things, banging things. They're throwing up lights. Lights freak out a horse because that they don't know what it is. Um, and Jane, the, the the person who trained me, Jane, she was like, you know, anyone can roll up a horse to do a, a rear up and do these really great sort of stuff. Like anyone can roll up a horse. It's a master keep a, a horse calm mm. and that was huge when that when she was like you know there I was like holding this horse's head and feeling the horse trust me enough to kind of tuck itself into me was a was a really like life-changing moment for me and that was wow yeah. so very cool really cool so yeah and so that that was an experience that as an actor I'll I'll, I'll never forget that
0: so yeah all right. Well, hopefully, if we haven't already, have you have you gotten to work with horses yet, or hopefully in
1: the future? So, I, I, funny enough, I um, I had one come in for a, a London-based TV show when you get horses, and it was it was meant to be for a police officer, uh, a, a mounted officer. Uh, I won't stay the TV series and stuff like that because, um, yeah, just out of yeah, you know, respect for them. Has yeah. been shot. However, uh, there, there was, it was a, a scene come in and basically every, all the way through the self-tapes and the, and the, and the, and the meetings and stuff like that, the, the director and the producer were, were batting ideas at me. And then I kept coming back at them with ideas, you know, and just, and so there was always this, there was this play, but there was never, ever, ever did a horse materialize in any of these auditions or, or talks of, you know, meeting with a horse or a horse master um it was always just you know figuratively with with people so and they kept on asking me you know oh so what what level can you you know fall off a horse and I was like well ideally horse riders don't like to fall off horses because it it freaks out the horse however we we can control a controlled fall or we can you know go back off a horse or you know I was like I said to her the, the team I said whatever you want me to do I will disappear to where I learned to ride horses and the the person who taught me how to ride she will teach me the proper way because if you're if you've got the you know the the six foot by eight foot mats that you've got to land on you've got to start falling off the horse 20 to 30 meters beforehand so you've got to start going when there's concrete on the ground yeah take some confidence and i didn't realize that until she was telling me about it and stuff and um and i was like oh god yeah i didn't think about that so it was all these um so yeah I, I've, I've been close to using it and stuff but then i i suppose because i'm a london-based actor uh who also does thi- theater ah actually wait a minute talking about that i did we offered um i got down to the final two for a a, 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 a um a very i think it was a world post world war one uh play and i said to the, the director he's like you know if you've got any you know, ideas or anything for this, for the character. And I said, look, hey man, you know, if you, if you think about doing promo for this piece and stuff like that, and it was about a rider or it was the character was good around horses. I said, if you want to do, you know, promo with a horse, like I can get the horse up here, you know, and I offered him options. And the director was like, oh, don't throw options at me. It's going to confuse us. So yeah. it, was, it, was, it was the way of um, just being useful. You know and having you know to say, like, you know, you, how confident are you on horses? I was like, well, I'm confident enough to get a horse in
0: here, so yeah. you know
1: that was uh,
0: yeah, cool. All right, last question before I let you go. I appreciate your time. We haven't really chatted much about get up, stand up. What was it like joining the cast? What are a few takeaways from it so far uh, that you've enjoyed? Uh, yeah,
1: so, yeah, joining Get Up. so that's we've only been. We might be two months, two months into it now. So we're about a month into the shows. Uh so we've just started. And do you know what? It's 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 one of the most exciting shows I've ever been a part of. Like as, as a musical-based thing, it, it it is brilliant to come on stage every day and, and to, to work with those actors, like David Gilbert, who plays Bob. Phenomenal guy, just a phenomenal man. Um he's he's really in touch with his like king energy and yeah, he's a, he's a wonderful character, and uh, Cleo, who plays Reet and Marley, she just doesn't suck. She just, yeah, flawless every show, and she does. She hits those notes every show without fail, and it's, it's you know, even I, like I'm, I'm nowhere near to be seen on stage at that point. I literally still just sit at the side of the stage and just gawk uh, just how amazing she is. Yeah, um, and. Uh, that that show kind of came about really really weird because um, my agent phoned me. I was I was in for a we were doing lots of self tape self tape self self-tape, tapes, self tapes, meetings, meetings, self tapes and stuff for TV, film, and I was very you know fortunate in that in that sense. And then out of the blue, he just went, "Oh yeah, the, um, get up, stand up, are doing a a casting." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, I've been <laughs> musical in a while. Let's um, yeah, let's go in for it and just see what happens." Twenty minutes after leaving the first round. They wanted to see me for the second round, so the next day I had to go back. And, you know, they gave me scenes, they gave me lines, and I was like, okay, this is fun. Yeah, let's see what happens. And I think taking the pressure off of it just gave me this kind of, I suppose, loose, more kind of approachable uh, vibe and stuff like that. And and I suppose also um, a sense of reliability that, that, you know, I'm just going to, whatever the director asks me or the casting director asks me, I'll just take and just do you know in whatever in whatever capacity that was and it was this kind of loose way of directing it was brilliant it was such a great way it was such a great experience cast in the casting process that i was like oh god if it's this creative in the in the casting what's it going to be like when we're in rehearsals and it was that dialed up to 100 um with, with with rehearsals like our we watched the show i think a week into rehearsals and the person that i was replacing was doing the scene completely different and I was like oh brilliant this is this is amazing because they want to find the different variables in in the characters even if they're very limited like I'm I'm not on stage for a huge amount of time um I got I get three great scenes uh in the show and every single time we were doing it we we're rehearsing it and we we're rehearsing it really differently and Clint Dyer in the in the rehearsal was was loving it and I i have a rule now with with shows and um and musicals and It's not a rule it's a loose term rule but it's it's an, it's a recommendation for myself and it's like i like to do shows that are about three years or under uh you know young young shows because i don't necessarily like to kind of Okay, you come into rehearsal, you come into the room, you stand on 12, you move 33 degrees, and then you say the line with an upward inflection because the actor won't, you know, some of these actors have been in some roles and stuff. And that's fair enough. Everyone's their own journey. Some actors won't listen. They just expect to hear the line, and then they'll say their line, you know, whereas I like to be able to go into, like, we've had covers on since day one in Get Up just because the nature of holidays and stuff like that, so we're straight in. So I don't think we've ever done the show with like in the same cast already. So therefore, all the actors are constantly listening. And the way David Aubrey does it, and the way Ivano, the alternate Bob, does it, all makes a difference then how I play Chris Blackwell and how Charles, the guy who plays, plays Chris Blackwell, are all radically different. So we're all listening to each other and... And it's some, that, that's really rare, you know. And I get that people want to, they want to show and they want it the same every night. And, stuff like yeah. that. and obviously the show will be the same every night because we all say the same words, we say the same lyrics, we say the same dialogue. However, how it, how it plays out is always different because you've, you've got different people on stage. And that's exciting. That's been amazing. Um, and Clint Dyer's expressed a lot of love But when someone comes on and does something bold and different and just tries, you know, if if you don't if you're not trying, you're just not part of the show. So he was, yeah, he loves that and he 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 encourages it quite a lot, which is which is
0: a blessing. Awesome. Tom, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you being on the show. A lot of amazing insight. And yeah, gonna definitely send this one over to my clients so they can have a listen. Appreciate your time. No, thank you. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on. Bless you, mate. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. All right. <clears throat> I'll see you later, everyone that's uh, listening. Make sure you get Tom a follow, TomBowen91 on Instagram and Twitter, yeah? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Wild world of Twitter. Oh, man. What's going to happen? Have you, have you heard all of the buzz? No. What's happening? Oh, it's like Elon Musk is... Uh, the owner is laying off a bunch of people you now can pay an eight dollar subscription to get your own blue check mark it's uh it's 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 the wild west in twitter right now
1: well if people feel they need them you know to pay eight pound to get a blue tick that's you know <laughs> and Elon Musk i not going to stop them so you know <laughs>
0: right all right Tom hope to connect in the future I'll talk to you later take care mate thank you bye all right everyone Tom Bowen love that one that was a great great chat right there I hope you enjoy it if you do make sure you give Tom a follow on the gram Tom Bowen 91 until next time I'm Joe Roscoe if you want to try that free trial go for the stage.com actors or athletes train like one